is taken from Philippians chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak in the name of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, who calls us to love him and to play our part in his world. Amen. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you very much, Tim, uh, for the invitation and the welcome. Lovely to be with Tim and Kate and the family. And I've only been in this diocese for just under two years. You know how it is. We get sort of, um, we get this sense that you haven't really been somewhere in some churches till you've been there about 20 years. And all these stories that people say, you know, oh, I went up to this person and said, are you new here? They said, oh, I've been coming 27 years. To which I say, well, you should say, well, why on earth haven't you introduced yourself to me before now then? <laughs> but uh, yeah, as a newcomer to the diocese, it's rather nice to be coming to uh, coming here after Wolverhampton and to sort of feel that sense of continuity and progression uh, and uh, perhaps helps me to feel after two years I'm beginning to feel a bit more at home. Inevitably, I felt I should ask, you know, how long should I preach for? Uh, and uh, so I've got some idea of how long I intend to preach for. <laughs> But a very useful resource uh, for those who preach and, and teach and talk is this. Uh, any of you um, Mock the Week fans? Um, uh, actually, with uh, Milton Jones, comedian, 
Christian, just come out with a very good little booklet called Ten Second Sermons. The bad news is that's not what you're going to get today. But let me, let me just give you a, an appetizer. So, for example, under Christianity, he says, Christianity is like a Cornish pasty. There's something in it, but sometimes it's difficult to find out what it is exactly. <laughs> uh, or then, uh, concerning the church... Sometimes people think of church as being like a giant helicopter. They don't want to get too close in case they get sucked into the rotors. <laughs> An announcement. Would the owner of the Ferrari number plate CSG3P71 please sell your car and give the money to the poor? <laughs> Profound stuff, this, I tell you. Um, the biggest question many Christians are asking the world today is, will you give us some money to help pay for our new roof? It's uh, cutting, powerful stuff, and I recommend it to you. Um, are we having, um, is my sort of PowerPoint um, appearing anywhere under, under Baston Hill? Um, <laughs> that, that would be great. Well, just as I kind of, um, I, I've said a few words about um, myself, and it's been enormously encouraging to, um, to see that the Mission Action Group has produced today these mission uh, prayer requests of things that are actually going on tomorrow in the lives of the mission partners. Um, and uh, that's enormously encouraging for me to see. What I want to do this morning is to, in a sense, not so much give a very detailed Bible exposition. I will be referring very much to Philippians, though. But I want to give an overview that could help us. I mean, I wish that film had worked at the beginning. It looked so good. <laughs> Christ as the invisible image. Uh, and, and that sense, because time and again, we make God too small. Remember the translator of the Bible, J.B. Phillips, he wrote a, his autobiography called Your God is Too Small. And my conviction is that all of us, myself as much as anyone, has made and continues to keep God too small in a box. And so today, as we think about the global village, I want us to have our mind blown. I want us to get a bigger, deeper, broader, wider sense of who it is we serve and love and who's amazingly called us to work with him. And so I'm going to be giving a sense of, of that bigger picture. I want to refer to what's going on in the worldwide Anglican communion uh, as well as looking at what the Diocese of Litchfield, of which... Um, uh, even out here we are still a part, um, is actually doing and suggests that maybe alongside some of the things that are going on already, there could be kind of resources to draw on and at least a sense of, um, of that sort of bigger picture. Uh, the, the, my um, device for moving slides on occasionally gets a little sticky, so I apologize if, if that happens in advance. Um, but um, he, here we are. I really liked the... Um, visual for the global mission um, and in fact it's so sticky it's not uh, moving at all uh, are you expecting me to operate um, great good um, <laughs> so 
we, we, had, we pressed something about a remote, or it just began to work eventually, which I'm sure it will this time. But um, I don't know if any of you um, saw that f- remarkable film, Life in a Day, which was uh, shown on television just a few days ago. Um, this, to my mind, demonstrates very powerfully what it is to be part of the global village. Because actually, when it said, uh, gave the tributes, it said, filmed by you. Literally, filmed by you. Because it's made up of 80,000 clips that were downloaded or uploaded onto YouTube uh, and edited into an hour and a half's most moving progression of a day in the life of the world, July the 24th, it was, 2012. And over 200 countries, far more different cultures, all represented, interwoven, and this amazing sense of being part of this global village. I think, too, of um, what's going on in, uh, at St. Paul's Cathedral, and you perhaps can't make this out, but this is a sort of an anti-capitalism uh, uh, T-shirt using the sort of script of the Coca-Cola. You, you think about Coca-Colonization, the way in which as you go around the world you'll find your Coca-Cola uh, and the brand and profound effect of these brand names. You think about the way in which protests and campaigns kind of connect through social media and instantly people know what's going on. This is the world we're living in. This is the world in which we as a church need to take very, very seriously in terms of witness, in terms of discipleship, in terms of uh, the direction we're going in and not be like ostriches. The third picture on the bottom there shows our Archbishop of Canterbury, now a man who comes in for an awful lot of criticism, uh, and I'm not here in any sense to defend or attack him. But uh, I do believe that when he went to uh, Zimbabwe, uh, he showed and he caught the imagination of the world as he courageously spoke to that gathering of tens of thousands of Anglicans who were not allowed to worship in their Anglican churches because of um, internal political uh, feuding within the Anglican church. And he courageously spoke up and exposed that just uh, recently. Even the Independent was speaking positively about him. So uh, there is a sense in which this global mission finds expression in, in uh, ministry such as that. I want to focus on some lessons that Paul in his letter to the uh, Philippians underlines. And those of you who are part of home groups um, will be able to do this in, in a much more focused way. Because in a way, uh, it would have been good this morning to have had the whole of the letter read. I mean, when you get a letter from a relative, you don't just sort of stop at the first line uh, or even the, 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 the first paragraph, do you? you? You kind of read it through, and even if it's a sort of a, an email that's sort of rather long, by and large, you know you should read it through and get an overall sense of it. And yet, amazingly, what do we do with these letters? We, we just sort of read these three verses or this sort of little chunk here. Please, please, with Philippians, have a go at just reading it, the whole thing through. How long might it take you? 15 minutes, possibly? Less. Just to get an overall sense of, of this letter, which was addressed to the Christians in, 
Philippi. Uh, and it underlines the importance of partnership. And as I speak about our mission and what we do, I hope this partnership message will come through as being a very key element in our mission, both locally and globally. Because when we um, actually look in some detail at the letter, we find that there's various kind of sections to it which have uh, particular lessons for us in relation to partnership. So, for example, we can recognize from chapter 1, verse 5, that we've read out already, that we share a common task. Chapter 1, verse 5, of partnership within the gospel. In order to carry out this mission together, we need to recognize that we've got equal status as servants of Jesus Christ. It's very easy with our global projects to think that kind of we've got all the answers uh, and it's all about what we can do for them. Now, I'm not in any way knocking compassion and generosity, but actually there's something very important about really finding out what these people who we're seeking to help want. Because sometimes we can end up otherwise either being incredibly patronizing or setting up all sorts of amazing projects that sort of flourish for a season and then collapse because they've not been really owned by our brothers and sisters overseas. We are all, when it comes to these kind of partnerships, servants of Jesus Christ together uh, in the way that Jesus modeled. Then thirdly, we are eager to keep in touch. Now, this sheet about your mission partners and the presence today, I think, of, um, is it Martin and Susie? Yeah, kind of real people. Lovely to have, not virtual people, real people. Uh, and, and how wonderful that is. And, that's, and in Philippians, we see how Epaphroditus was actually sent and, and came and communicated in person between the Philippians and where Paul was in prison. Uh, and there's something so important about those relationships, actual meeting face-to-face. And I think some of, our, some of our links are very, very enriched when, when we can afford the luxury with, with, with travel and flight, uh, it's possible to actually visit and be visited. So there's a sense of uh, real connection in that kind of way. Partnerships also need to recognize the complementary skills and resources to share. It, it is about sharing. It's about giving and receiving. Uh, we, one of our diocesan links that I mentioned is with uh, South Africa, the Diocese of Matlasani, and a group from the cathedral in Litchfield have just gone out, a young group of young people, six uh, people who are age 16 with some leaders. And um, their comment was that it is, the, it is enabling us both to transform and be transformed. It's a two-way process, uh, and we need to be very sensitive, especially about gifts of money. We, we, with the best will in the world, we need to be very sensitive 
when it comes to giving in that kind of way, uh, that we don't give and thereby feel a whole lot better ourselves, I've done my bit. Yeah, I mean, giving is a very, very important part of our mission and our ministry. But uh, we need to go a little bit deeper as well. And the fifth point that um, I would urge you to reflect on as you read Philippians as a whole is that partners are committed to sharing each other's struggles and victories. Now, it's easy when we kind of are partnering with Ethiopia, for example, to see the difficulties that Christians are facing there, to see the reality of poverty. But what do they see in us? What struggles do you share? Maybe materialistically, uh, it's harder to find where our struggles are, though we may have worries. How about spiritual poverty? How about being in a society that, that doesn't create time for relationships? The, the, there are aspects of our society and our life that, is, that are pitiable for which we would cry out for God's mercy and love and for our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia, in Kenya, to teach us so much. Baston Hill and beyond. Your mission statement uh, has this wonderful phrase, doesn't it? And what about the and beyond bit? And that's really what I'm focusing on this morning. And this is just a kind of selection of a few of those and beyond things. And let's see, A, whether you can see such tiny pictures from the back, and B, whether any of you know about them. Hope for children. Youth for Christ. Shrewsbury, the Operation Christmas Child Project. Now, Pedro and Anu, anyone know who they are? Who are they, please? Hands up if you've ever met Pedro and Anu. Hands up if you were in church on the day when they visited. Did they visit the church? <laughs> Hmm, <laughs> possibly. Did they, seriously, did they visit the church? number of years ago, okay. Have they been recently? Okay. Are they about to? Oh, well, maybe that was, I just picked that up on the website. <laughs> but uh, the point is that uh, there's some uh, people who are actually uh, not just names. Then um, you've given very generously to the East African Famine Relief. Solar panels, that is seriously exciting. That, I put it to you, is part of global mission. You, you maybe see mission in a rather kind of small compartment, sharing God's love, putting into words what my faith means, but actually our whole lifestyle is part of God's mission. And how we regard the planet, how we use our resources is part of God's mission. And these solar panels reminds me how the diocese has just launched a, an initiative concerned with climate justice. And we're asking individuals and parishes to sign up. It's connecting with um, uh, an initiative that's seeking to highlight this. So um, what else have we got? The navigators. Anyone know who they are? And the names of your particular links are? Good. 
Steve and Debbie McClure. Now, do I, do, do I think that 90% of you know that or 10% of you know that? You see, most churches uh, are, have some sort of sense of world mission. I think this church has a much higher than average sense. But nonetheless, it's often regarded as being, well, we've got such a good group in charge of that, I don't really have to connect with it. But actually, each one of us, as I said earlier, holding up the globe, amazingly, remarkably, has been called to play our part in God's mission to the world. And it helps if, if we do kind of connect with and own the amazing things that are going on. There's the, uh, I think some of you um, had some way of fundraising for this Romanian uh, holiday, was it, for 40 children? Then Cambodia and Messy Church. With the th- and you've got something coming up called Love the World, which I thought was a rather nice uh, title. Uh, good. And there's lots of other things too, to do with uh, YWAM, to do with Nepal, various other connections. And I want to say, well done. I think that is really, really good. And, 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 and I think partly it's because you've got a kind of small group who, who take prayer seriously, like the kind of engine you know, of, of all that goes on. So I'm not, I'm not really here to say, you know, you should be doing this. And the next thing, I'm here to say thank you and, and keep up the good work. But I would like to share some other kind of angles on things, particularly for those of you who maybe feel you're not connecting but would like to, or who feel, well, I've been doing this for so long and I need a bit of refreshment. And, um, and what I want to say concerns the, the, the world church that we're part of. Did you know that the average Anglican is black, female, under 30, has three children, lives on $2 a day, walks three kilometers for water, is related to someone with HIV AIDS, and is evangelical? Amazing. That, that's an analysis of the uh, number of Anglicans, of which are about 80 million, uh, the typical profile. Did you know that the average age of a Church of England attender is six, 61? 61, and in some churches that's, that, that, that's be quite encouraging statistic. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're in a very, very different context. But I want to say, even just thinking about the worldwide Anglican church, and I'm not wanting to restrict God's work to any denomination, uh, let's, let's see the amazing things that God is doing. In Matlasani, South Africa, they have this car sticker, I love being an Anglican. Would many of us um, put that on our car? <laughs> I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> Uh, just going back a little bit, you'll recall the great commission that uh, Jesus left his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And this has been a, a great springboard and motivation for mission. Um, so, for example, uh, we may reflect on whether the mission has been achieved or not, but we, we see in different ways the actual changing shape of mission within the world. So, for example, here in Edinburgh, a hundred years ago, was the first ecumenical world missionary conference. 
predominantly European North American. Then a hundred years later, we have this and this, where we see the actual church choir from Ghana singing, reflecting very much more the vitality of what's going on in God's world. And I wanted to share with you a phrase that's been really helpful to me that came from a previous General Secretary of the Church Mission Society, uh, Max Warren. He said, it takes a whole world to know the whole Christ. And that's in a sense what I was saying earlier about our God being too small. I, I visited and preached at a church, All Saints, Wellington, near here. I arrived, being given good directions, went through the front door. Some months later, I had to go back. I went with my sat-nav, ended up saying, you are at your destination, whatever it says, uh, and uh, couldn't recognize anything. I thought, oh, no, it's let me down again, rang up the vicar. said, no, you're at the right place. You've just come to the back of the church. The back of the church looked utterly different from the front. And I put it to you that that's often the way with our understanding of Christ. That, that we see Christ, maybe we see Christ very clearly, but we see through in a particular way. Whereas when we kind of go around 180 degrees, the perspective of someone else, perhaps who we disagree with or from a different culture, we get another angle into who Christ is and we desperately, desperately need each other and that the perspective to get closer to a sense of um, the whole Christ. Changing shape of the church here in Africa described as the center of Christian mission by the Archbishop of Uganda. Changing shape of the church, China. How many Christians in China? We don't know, do we? 30 million, 110 million, somewhere in between probably. And uh, the Anglican primates. I mean, how would you like to be called a primate? <laughs> Probably very fitting, but nonetheless, the Anglican primates meet in, met in China recently, and um, and that it would be unthinkable some years ago after these years of persecution and suffering, which has probably been the key to their church growth and amazing discipleship and teaching. Um, Ten years, fifteen years time, it'll be China that will be the centre of world mission. I mean, let's let's kind of go with the times and and be open to the amazing things that God is doing in the world. There are, as I said earlier, various resources within this diocese, and I'll just sort of flip through these in case uh, they can help you. We've got these four companion diocesan links with Southeast Asia that I mentioned before, uh, and with... Um, is this doing anything, or are you doing this manually? <laughs> It's a mixture. It's partnership, you see. We wanted to model partnership to you. And how well it's going. Thank you very much. Yeah. Matt Lasani, South Africa. Capel, Canada. And finally, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Germany. A real kind of cluster of, of links, which are really good. And that's why it's good to have a range of links through the Mission Action Group. Because kind of each brings something different. Uh, these links include uh, the three dioceses in Southeast Asia. They include um, the, uh, well, 
one of the uh, remarkable things about the Diocese of Singapore, size of the Isle of Wight, and they have six mission deaneries. One of these mission deaneries is Indonesia. Another is Vietnam, Cambodia, like that. So they think big. And their vision is to plant Anglican churches in, in these countries. Uh, that's quite a challenge. You know, how big is our vision? What do we think we can manage and cope with? So inspired by the worship, the vitality of worship. It's not only here in Southeast Asia, but um, for example in South Africa, there's not a musical instrument in sight, maybe some drums, certainly no organs, and yet something emerges from everyone present. And your spine tingles, this sense of, 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 oh, what's going on? And we, we're caught up in it. So actually, literally, the experience of worshipping with others is transformational. It's amazing. Then, this is the Alpha Course in Chinese. That's so exciting. St. Thomas's Cathedral in Kuching, 850 people at 6.45 a.m. That's a great experience too. Mentioned uh, South African experience, and um, we have there Bishop Steve DeSeco, who actually at the age of seven was forcibly removed under the apartheid era from his home. The, uh, it had been discovered that they were on good fertile soil. They were shifted somewhere else where they had made quite sure that the soil was very poor and infertile. And it would be easy for Bishop Steve to be embittered. But he wasn't. He, w he was full of forgiveness. And we learn from the diocese and the church in South Africa about truth and reconciliation goodness me, we, we all have arguments and tensions going on. I've got something awful going on with our next door neighbor at the moment. I won't go into the details of it, but for about six months I've been having to pray, Lord, please help me to love this guy. Please change this kind of bitterness that's taking root. And that does it. that's not just a kind of rather naive sort of process. It's actually saying, let's, let's tackle this with integrity Let's find out what the real issues are. Let's face it truthfully, but also with grace and with a spirit of forgiveness and reconciliation. And we learn so much from South Africa about that. The Sia Fundisa project, some of you may have given to the Bishop's Lent Appeal last, um, last year. And that's a fascinating project that we've been able to support. Capel Saskatchewan, I mentioned earlier. And uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Germany. I don't know if any of you met up with um, Archbishop John Chu when he came over recently to Wolverhampton. Uh, I have to say he's not necessarily a supporter of wolves, although he did. <laughs> um, we, he, we did force him, but, but it was lovely there. He is kind of laying hands on and ministering at the service that took place actually at. Um, do you recognize it, St. Phil? I think that's at St. Phil's, yeah, Pen, Penfields. And then um, the St. Chad's program. Uh, our young people, uh, particularly our young adults, are, are so important. And vast numbers of churches haven't got any represented. 
And um, this sense of resourcing leadership and allowing them too to be shaped positively by the world church uh, is something we're trying to encourage. Jason Brown from All Saints Wellington is at the moment in West Malaysia in Penang uh, as a kind of lay worker for a year. And we're really keen to encourage others. So if you know anyone in that age bracket, uh, the diocese has got good resources to assist with uh, that kind of um, visit. Uh, there's leaflets at the back about this. Parish to parish links, that's, we find that works very well too. So that perhaps particularly where there's good communication, so you get a, just a, a sense of what's going on in another parish and you can like compare notes, pray for one another um, and, and share in each other's struggles and victories. Um, situations vacant... Um, you may be CMS had a, a poster that said has God called you to stay where you are when we come to talk about mission and world mission some people come and think oh well that's fine that, that's not where God's called me my message today is I'm sorry to disappoint you but each of us is called to be part of God's global village for some people, it might mean staying where you are, but with a different perspective. It might mean recognizing the world that has come here. You see, I'm not, I don't quite know the sort of demographic of, of Baston Hill or where, exactly where you're from, but I can guarantee that someone living very close to you is not Baston Hill born and bred. Actually, there will be people from different parts of the globe, be it, um, be it Europe, be it the Caribbean, be it Pakistan, India. At least, I, I, am, I, am I right or not? Because I, it's not true of everywhere in Shrewsbury. Some. Well, maybe the focus in another way, well, well maybe it's a challenge then. To, to just be a little bit aware and to see, well, what are the bridges that we can build? Um, who are the people who are outside of my kind of in-group? Um, so that certainly we see it very clearly, uh, for example, where, uh, where I live in, in Wolverhampton. Um, this is, uh, I put a number of leaflets about this at the back and they've all gone, I'm afraid. Um, but this is recognizing that many of us uh, get a lot from our church, but we kind of we feel as if there's maybe something more that could help shape our own spiritual lives. And this is a new initiative that's partly inspired by the example of St. Chad, the Celtic um, missionary who founded the uh, Litchfield Cathedral and this whole sort of center of England mission field that was called Mercia. Uh, and it's a way of, of recognizing some key values that we want to live by and to say that we won't do that alone. We'll be part of a small group of two to five people to whom we're accountable, meet, meet monthly. And it's something that we'll be doing with others in the diocese with an annual chance around St. Chad's Day, which is March the 2nd, to renew that commitment. Some of you that may sound, it's not for me, but it, but it may be for you and, uh, 
and I'd be very keen to, to share more about that uh, if you think that would be helpful. Uh, we move on to the next one. Uh, this, as we close, is a very helpful message. Remember, the life you change could be your own. I think whether we're talking about mission locally or mission globally, this is such an important point that actually we don't go in with all the answers. We don't go in with everything in place. We go in with L-plates on to learn. The life you change could be your own. And uh, in closing, Lord, here am I. Send. <laughs> it's very easy to volunteer others, isn't it? I want to say that God calls each of us to play a particular role. It might be to pray, it might be to offer hospitality, it might be to send a letter, an email, it might be to actually go somewhere. Lord, here am I, send me. Amen. Philip, thank you so much. It's uh, so good to have you here today. Um, such wisdom and experience that you've, you've brought to us and a real you know, rich insights. So thank you so much for that. I'm sure it's made us think, challenged in some way or encouraged in some way. I'd just like to hear your thoughts and some feedback. <laughs>